When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an Ian special report. Now reporting. The very handsome Jewish man, Peter Rosenberg. Ian's at six. When the clock struck six, it meant one thing. Can I just say one thing, Don? Sure. Um, you're not done. It stands uh, but it's Don. not. Now, from the ESPN New York News Desk, here's Rosenbaum or whatever that guy's name is. One of your show is number one. Good evening, everyone. I am not Peter Rosenberg. I am Anthony Pusick. Welcome to ENN. Ray Row. Just on Ray Row. On Tiwi. Not Tiwi. Radio vehicle. Only radio. Only radio vehicle tonight, and... No, Michael K. That's right, Don. <laughs> I hate you. Okay. I understand. I'd like to start off by saying good evening to both Dan and Mike Tannenbaum. What about my show? What show? <laughs> Gotta love that. What are, what are we going to start promoting Dan's new show? Well, listen. That's a good point. Uh, it's a very good point. It starts next week, seven to ten every night. Do we have to record anything for that? Like we, voices, or we probably should, right? We we could. Yeah, sure. one of these days yeah. we can get it done. Yeah, well, we have a couple of more days this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we'll make something happen. I think that would be great. What's the over under on Dan's ratings? Dan's ratings? Oof. Um, I think oh. it'd be pretty solid. Are we talking like a number, or are we talking like a, a placement, like ranking? Whatever, whatever you want. I think I think I think easily top five. Favorable. Easily top five. Favorable. Easily top five. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do a good little show for the people. Give, uh, them, give them what they want, as they say. Uh, Dan, you know this, and Mike, you've been you've been around the, the Michael K. show long enough uh, as well. Uh, you ever you ever notice when Don gets into one of his laughing fits that he just has no way of getting out of it, and he just is lightly laughing into the microphone? Yes. Yeah. Well, here's uh, what happened earlier in the Yankee-Mariner game between Cameron Mabin and Ryan Rucco, and I would assume that if Don was there, this would be the reaction. Let's take a listen. Yeah, I've rubbed up quite a few balls in my life. Just gonna let everybody enjoy the silence here. Got ten more seconds. Sure, it was a good learning experience. That is what a Fordham education gives you. That's well what done it gives you. By Ryan Rucco. Well done. To close that one out. Uh, taking a look up here. Hey, look at that. Now how, let's go. Like, can we rewind for one second? Oh, we could, but Kyle Higashioka just did a two-run home run. The Yankees have run. The Yankees have and scored they have a run. Life. Hallelujah! How do you like that? Look at that. That doesn't happen often anymore. Not that I could care one way or the other, but still, no, they, they just no. it's 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 rarity. It's like Bigfoot. But Kyle Higashioka, a dead center field, 403 feet, uh, exit velo 105.2 miles an hour, and now Nestor's off the hook for the one hit he gave up. So home runs basically the name of the game here today. That's that's what we're doing. Two run shot for the Yanks, solo shot for the Mariners. That's how the runs are scored. That's but back to Cameron scored. Mabin, though, for sure, a second. Sure, let's do that. How soon after he uttered that now uh, infamous slogan mm. before yeah, he realized I what he quite a few balls in my life. How how long after that do you think before it realized what he had just said or he uh, realized? My what he said? guess is Ruko probably looked over to him. Yeah. And then nobody could contain themselves. No. And uh, they and, do that yeah. in the Met booth a lot, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Because you can hear them kind of like it's just dead silence, and then you hear like the snickering. Then Gary over Zoom calling the game, and you can tell that he's like in mid laugh, like ball one, to, you know, and that's great. Yeah. 
It's organic. So to, to, to be equal opportunity um, bashers here, let's let, let's take a listen back to SNY last night. Keith yeah. Hernandez uh, was trending. I don't know if you saw this, Dan. Keith Hernandez was trending on Twitter, and I thought to myself, why is Keith Hernandez trending on Twitter? Because I was watching the game, and I didn't think much of it, but of course, this is why Keith Hernandez was trending. I missed both Philly series. I have to go this weekend to St. Louis for the 40th anniversary of 82. I'll join you in Atlanta. And then and I what's your a, excuse the following weekend? It's a scheduled off series. And, you know, I've expressed to the front office, not to that front office, our front office of SNY, that I hate doing Philly games. So I guess they gave, they gave me the, the series off. You hate doing Philly games? Oh, because they always never seem to. Oh, up and in fastball. Over the years. Now, they're hot right now. But I would like to see them. But, you know, as far as fundamentally and defensively, the Phillies have always been not up to it. Maybe we can shoehorn you into the schedule now that they're playing well and maybe up to your standards. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. I'll watch on TV. I personally thought that was really funny. I mean, you know, Keith Hernandez being a great first baseman, great defensive first baseman, appreciates the fundamentals, doesn't want to watch bad fundamental baseball, and he thinks the Phillies are, are one of those teams. Andrew Gunling would be would be very upset by this. Well, remember, the, bring it up. remember early in the season, you know, before Joe Girardi got fired, I mean, they were the worst defensive team known to man. I mean, they were they, they were atrocious. In that one game against the Mets where Alec Bohm was making all those errors, I mean, Keith had to see that with his own two eyes. So, I mean, he says it all tongue-in-cheek, but, Mike, people freak out, and they actually, like, take him literally at his word. Yeah, you know what's so funny about that? I was just thinking, like, boy, imagine if you could be, like, you know, a GM and say, like, well, I'm going to be a GM except when we play, like, these two teams. Right. You know, like, somebody else. Then it's not my responsibility. Anything that happened on the field, not my responsibility. And by the way, and I don't know, Dan, of course, you've worked at SNY. I'm sure if if the boss at SNY said to Keith, hey, we'd love for you to do the Philly series this weekend. I, I think as long as Keith didn't have a conflict, I'm sure he would. Absolutely. He, get around to yeah, he had a legitimate conflict, and then, like, you know, the vacation for next weekend. I don't, they, he, you got to set out the vacation before the season. They put out the whole season schedule before the year. So you set the vacation, like, in the winter. Vacation's very, very important. Sure. Very important. Does he go to Peru as well? A lot. You know, Peru's become a, a happening play. Ever since Aaron Rodgers, I heard that the travel to Peru has just. Aaron Rodgers is on the cover of, like, the tourism brochure for Purdue. Or for Purdue. Purdue. Peru. Yeah. He's got. I'm sure he's got to deal with them as well. Purdue has a campus in Peru, by the way. Did in, not know in, that. In Lima. Didn't yeah. know that. The Lima, no, no, no. The Lima campus yeah, of Purdue. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no. Purdue. It's the science department. <laughs> I thought you were thinking I thought you were thinking of the chicken brand, too. We, we can go a lot of different ways with Shout Purdue. out Frank Purdue. Exactly, exactly. Hey, let's take a listen to uh, what happened today in the Mets game. They won 10-2, swept the Reds, ho-hum. Another win for them. It's six straight. Here's uh, Francisco Lindor. 2-2 coming. And Lindor pumps one the other way for a base hit. Giorme is in. McCann right behind him. He will score. Lindor drives in a pair, and with that, he has tied Jose Reyes's Mets club record for RBIs by a shortstop. He now has 81 runs batted in, which matches Reyes's mark with 50 games still left to play in the season. So, needless to say, Francisco Lindor will have an RBI at some yes. point within the next 50 games, and he will then be the highest RBI total, uh, had the highest RBI total for any shortstop in Mets history, which is pretty cool. And uh, Buck, they asked Buck Showalter about Lindor tying Reyes. Pretty cool. No, I mean, it's to See? be continued. I know uh, he'd sacrifice everything for a chance to be the last team standing. That's kind of where he's wired. You know, when you put it in that context, all the great shortstops that have played here, makes you realize how hard it is. You don't think there were great shortstops here? Some good ones. Maybe not. Oh, I got to suck that in. That's pretty cool. Now, that's kind of been a theme 
for this Mets team, at least in the la- in the press conferences that I heard today, uh, when Francisco Lindor spoke with Steve Gelbs after the game on SNY on the field, he said it's great to get these personal accolades, but I'm here to win a championship. Buck Showalter echoed something similar. I think this team, not that they weren't before, but with Buck, as you've said, Dan, they're, they're kind of seeing the bigger picture here. That it's great to have all these individual successes, but if everybody's having these individual successes together, it will amount to something greater come October. And I think that they're kind of embracing that now. They're starting to see what that could be, especially after that Brave series. Absolutely. And, and you know, back to Lindor, though, for a second. You know, he's only hit 90 RBIs. I mean, this is during his, his prime years with, the, with, with Cleveland. Um, and he hit 92 once. But he's going to shoot past that this year. He's shooting past that. I mean, he might. You're talking about a guy who's probably going to finish with 100 RBIs this season. Absolutely, could lead the and Allen RBIs if he wants. Could could he might not even lead his own team because he got Pete Alonso. That's a very good point, which is incredible, and that's why this team is going as well as they are. But with the Showalter thing, like you could probably appreciate that, right? Like that, the the, the locked in like narrow focus on just like the greater goal, as he said, being the last team standing. Like yeah, that you know, should be the focus. You know, the great example of that guys is Bill Belichick in New England, like where people, you know, that's. Like, the two most important positions in, in all sports is an NFL head coach and an NFL quarterback because the team kind of takes the personality of, of those two players. And, you know, Buck Showalter really sets, you know, sort of like the standard and the culture for the Mets. And, and it's great to see them, you know, embodying that from Francisco Lindor all the way down. By the way, Aaron Judge just hit a mega home run. It's a day that ends in Y. Aaron Judge now up to 40 40- five home runs, and now, yes, has a tracker there uh, for however many games the Yankees have been Tuesday through. ends in Y, by the way, and didn't hit one yesterday. You know what, Dan? That's a very good point yeah. for you. But uh, thank you for ruining the story. But um, you got Aaron Judge at 45 home runs at this point of the season through as many games as Roger Maris had played in his 61 home run campaign. He only had 41. Aaron Judge on pace to pass Roger Maris as most home runs for a Yankee for in the American League. It's been pretty amazing to watch him um, well, hit this season. What, what do you guys consider as the all-time home run record? We asked Aaron Boone that last week when Don and Peter were on, and he kind of hinted at the fact that there would be a lot of meaning to passing Roger Maris' 61. I think it um, means more as he, like, if judges, and I think he will, but if he passes 61 with Maris, I think it means more for, because judge is doing it as a Yankee. You know what I mean? Like, as, as a Yankee doing it, I think it carries a lot more weight, but that's a good point. Like, if, if it was somebody that was on, say, the Royals or the Tigers and they passed 61, does it have the same feeling because you're not getting to Bonds's? But to Mike's Bonds question, level. I consider Henry Aaron the all-time home run king. There you go. So that takes care of that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think you got to discount what happened with you know, Sosa and Maguire for obvious reasons. Um, I was talking about single season. Now. Oh, single season? Well, that's Bonds too, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, everything is Bonds. Bonds is single season. Bonds is career. 74. Four? 73? 73. I think 61. I mean, I still got to go back to 61. I think I, look, I, look, I, mean, I mean, this is, I mean, we could do four hours on this. Absolutely. You know, with the whole steroid discussion. But, and I get it. It was part of the culture. More than half the damn sport was doing it at the time. So you could say to yourself, well, you know what? If everybody was doing it or most people were doing it, you might as well acknowledge the ones who did it the best. But I can't go all the way there. Mike, I got a question for you actually about Francisco Lindor. Uh, you've been, uh, you were a GM with the Jets. You know how tough it is to play in this market and for a star to come in and not perform well right off the bat. Uh, you know, you knew about the boos and the thumbs down with Baez and Lindor last year with the Mets. Uh, certainly not in the fans' good graces. And to have the season he's having this year, to have the 
the mental fortitude and the toughness to be able to come back and perform the way he is, that takes a special kind of athlete, doesn't it? I don't think any every athlete can do what Lindor's doing right now after the season he had uh, last season. Yeah, that goes for GMs, coaches, players. Like, you need rare mental toughness. Like, especially, you know, we've talked about this, guys. Like, there's a whole bunch of people that will say, like, oh, I don't read it. I don't care. That's all BS because even if you don't read it, somebody in your ecosystem will. So And they'll tell you. Yeah, in their own way. It's like, hey, just so you know. And nobody wakes up and says, man, I want to get my, you know, ass ripped today. I'll, I'll tell you guys a great story. Um, I truly have been at the highs and the lows in the city. So we're rolling championship games. There's a big story. I'm on the back page of the Daily News. Mike Lupica writes an article. It's a picture of me with Rex behind me, the genius behind the mouth. And it's this unbelievable article about me, how smart, all these decisions. It's like my parents wrote it. Was it true? No. So <laughs> seven months later, we trade for Derek Mason, wide receiver that didn't from, work out too from, well. from the Baltimore Ravens. And it was a slow news day. And Rex says, hey, you know, we, we traded for Derek Mason because of reasons one, two, and three. And I'm like, someone, some reporter asked, well, why'd you trade for Mason? And I said something different, not completely different, but something different than Rex. Slow news day, back page, daily news, next day, dumb and dumber. So the joke in the office was, well, who's dumb and who's dumber? And the reason I, I mentioned that story, guys, like, here I am, the same guy, you know, six months earlier, right. I'm a genius. Six months later, I'm an idiot. And going back to Lindor, like, you know, he may have a game where he has five strikeouts, and he has to be the same guy as he is today. And it's interesting, if you ever ask Bill Parcells, like, how did you know when Phil Sims was going to be Phil Sims, he said he had a game, he had a terrible game, four interceptions. But the next Wednesday's practice, he got into the huddle, and the other 10 guys in the huddle knew that Phil Sims could take them to where they wanted to go. And you need that in New York. Like, you need an Eli Manning. You need a Derek Jeter. You need somebody. You need Coach Parcells. Like, Coach Parcells, he would battle the media. You know, Tom Coughlin really didn't care what other people thought. Like, you think about the champions in this town. What's the one characteristic they all have? They have, like, tenacity and mental toughness. And this town's not for everybody. No. But like, when you went in New York, like, you you walk in the, you know, as a hero, and you are, like, look at the billboards, right? You can still see Bill Parcells. You can still see Derek Jeter. You can still see Eli. Look at Michael Strahan. You think it's worked out okay for him? Like, but they all have had resiliency. Strahan had bumps in the road. Like, all those guys, though, they have mental toughness. And I think, like, when you look at some of these Mets, like, that's a great sign of what could come. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's also been a, a long case study we could do on guys who, let's say, couldn't hack it in this town from an athlete standpoint or whatever. And then or they go from to, a coach standpoint. Or from a coaching standpoint, then go someplace else, and then, boom, it's, like, forgotten. And then you start to see this talent pay itself off because, well, they're not in the pressure cooker that is New York. It's not for everybody. You're right. And clearly, Buck has made a difference uh, this year for Lindor, for the whole team. Absolutely. Just what he's brought in. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we, we talked about that over the last couple of days, which is, like, it matters. Like, coaching managers, managing managers, uh, ma managers matter. And Buck Showalter is a great example, guys. Like, there's massive learning curves to any of these jobs. Like, you, Brian Dayball will be a much better coach a year from today and he'll make some really bad mistakes. But the thing that I'm so encouraged about working with Brian, he'll be the first one to say, yeah, I wish I had that one back. And he won't make the same mistake twice. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Interesting. Guys, it was Women's Day at City Field, which is pretty cool. Um, so a lot of the Mets that were in the lineup uh, changed their uh, walk-up songs sure. uh, to songs that were by women, if they weren't already. Um, Daniel Vogelback, who, of course, was acquired uh, near the deadline um, from the Pirates, uh, has kind of become a fan favorite. Probably A, he's been playing very, very well. It seems like every time he hits the ball, it's either for extra bases or a home run. Um, and he's also very large. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, here's what he came out to. So six straight wins. It's nice that the uh, the Mets can have some fun. Vogelback said the guys on the team wanted them to do it. The boys wanted them to do it. So he gave the boys what they wanted, which I think is funny given the song. Was there any dance or anything like that? Because I, I didn't see him walk up. I didn't see if there was a dance. I hope that there was. Probably would have went viral if it did. I think it would have went we viral. Seen, it would have went as viral as Aiden Hutchinson. I, I would have. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's so Jean. funny that you bring that up. Dan, because, Why is that? Because on Hard Knocks, uh, there was a video of Aiden Hutchinson singing yeah. Billie Jean to his team. She was more like a beauty queen in the movie scene. I said, no matter what you do, me, I Defensive end doesn't work out. He could always be a singer. You know what was key there and why it got such a rousing ovation from his teammates is because even even look, I, I mean, he's not you know Pavarotti when it comes or anything close to Michael Jackson when it comes to hitting the high notes. How but, dare you? But he sold it. Yeah, he sold it, Mike. Yeah, like you said, he got down. He had to dance, and so like once he got the whole team on their feet and into it, then it didn't matter what was coming out of his mouth. Nice impression for a rookie, no? Yeah, and, totally. You know, it's like. One of the many things that Rex deserves credit for, guys, was Woody Johnson builds a $100 million, beautiful, state-of-the-art Taj Mahal practice facility, and we interview Rex, and Rex is like, I want to go away for training camp. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, we just spent, like, all this money on this beautiful, and you want to go? And Rex's line was, if we go up to Cortland, New York, and we have 90 guys, they're going to go up there in 90 cars. But... If those same 90 players come back in 20 cars, they're going up as a bunch of individuals. They're coming back as teammates. And when you're in Cortland, New York, which is a beautiful part of the country, there is nothing to do except to hang out with people. And I got to tell you, like, I came closer to the video guys. I became closer with the training staff because that's all, all we had was each other for three weeks. That's all we had. And look this is a, a very small sample size of like that song last night. But what you did see is like, you are trying to create moments and opportunities where you become a team. Look, 
you're going to be spending $200 million. Like, this is the ultimate, like, capitalist, like, being a pro athlete. Sure, sure, sure. Like, but the teams that win it become about we and us. We talked about Buck Showalter with Francisco Lindor. Like, you got to create a team. And, again, it's a very small thing, but you do need these, like, moments to bond. And I thought, like, last night was, like, a good moment for the Lions. And, like, Aiden Hutchinson has an infectious personality. I didn't realize he could sing and dance. But he will be, barring something unforeseen, guys, like, he'll be a productive player, but he'll be a leader for them. That's why they took him. I mean, plus the local product, too. I mean, everything fits part and parcel. I mean, that's what the Lions are hoping for. Somebody's got to go in there and change the culture. And if it's him, if it's a defensive lineman, more power to him. Even better. Do you have – is there one guy over your career, a, a rookie talent show performance that stands out maybe from all the others? Hmm. Good question. Either, either like, very good or very bad even? Yo, Sanchez was a talented guy. He was, he was he he could light up a room. You know, very, very charismatic guy. Not, not to see, not no surprise to see him thriving. Right in, uh, in TV. Look, I know Dan Campbell kind of got out of that introductory press conference when he's talking about being a cannibal and biting people's kneecaps off. Right. And that, that kind of made him a little bit of a laughing stock. But you know what? It's regardless of what the record was last year for those for the Lions. It seemed like every person in that locker room liked Dan Campbell. They fought for Dan Campbell. Um, you even saw something that I thought was even more viral than the Aiden Hutchinson thing was Jamal Williams' speech. Did you guys see that? No. Hard Knocks. He, I don't have it. With, I don't have the actual speech itself. But basically, he went into the huddle with with the team and said, "I hate losing," almost to the point of tears, saying, "We're better than this. If you get tired during this training camp, remember our record last year and push forward. Make that make that remind you that you need to work harder and that we're better than this." And look, I I don't think the Lions are going to be a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination this year, but it seems like, and I know Hard Knocks is a little bit dramatized, of course, with the cameras, but, you know, it seems like the Lions are going in the right direction, and for a, a, a Detroit, a, a city like Detroit that, that really loves their sports, uh, it would be great to see the Lions be at least a product that they could be proud of. Hey, I, I think what the Lions are going to become, guys, is a hard out. Like, and when you begin a program, and this is where I thought the Jets really egregiously fell down a year ago, was... You want them to be a hard out. Like, you want to be like, oh, we got to play the Jets. Like, you want a tough team. You want a well-coached team. You want a disciplined team. And, look, with a rookie quarterback, you're going to have those moments where Zach Wilson just, you know, makes those big mistakes. But I think that's what, like, Detroit's going to be like. You think Aaron Rodgers is really going to want to play that defense? Like, just in terms of, like, they're, they're going to be relentless. And, and that, to be like, they are making real progress. I mean, I mean, you look at that division, too. I mean, Green Bay's a team to beat. I mean, you know, they, they already have, won the division. Right. They won the division already. They they already have the like they're already selling home game playoff tickets for the Green Bay Packers this year because they're going to get at least one game and generally they lose that game at least, you know, with Aaron Rodgers. But um second place is up for grabs in that NFC North. It's up for I, I don't love Minnesota and certainly not Chicago. Why can't it be Detroit? There's always a team that comes out of the I'm not saying they're a playoff team. But why can't they be competitive this year as you said, tough out and maybe even if those other two teams falter Lions go 8-9, something like that. That might be good enough for second place. Who knows? That would be a pretty amazing story. One more Lions note. A lot of Lions in ENN today, but it, they're all it's all good stuff. Uh, rookie wide receiver Jameson Williams was wearing number 18 to pay homage to Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Which he's of so course good, was by 80, the way, Jameson Williams. He's so good. Which was, he was 81, of course, so he flipped it to be 18, but he wanted a single-digit number back, so he wanted number 9. So he texted Matt Stafford. Asked him for permission to wear the number, and Matt Stafford gave him his blessing. So, now, number nine, which was worn by Matt Stafford, of course, for many years in Detroit, now will be donned by Jamison Williams. And as you said, Dan, if he's as good as you think he is, 
it'll be a number nine that people, again, that people in Detroit will be pretty proud to see. Jamison Williams would have been the first wide receiver off the board if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, I saw him live. He was one of my favorite players in the draft. He he could actually outrun leverage. You know what's amazing was he had a transfer from Ohio State. I mean, think about that for a second. That's how deep that uh, wide receiver room was, that he actually had a transfer from from Ohio State. But, yeah, I love Jamison Williams. I like Garrett Wilson a lot too, but I would have taken Williams over Wilson just because of the play speed. Just like Jermaine Johnson, right? He had to transfer out of Georgia, and he ended up at Florida State just because that Georgia D-line group was so deep, and he wasn't getting as much reps as he maybe would have wanted. Goes to FSU, worked out pretty good for him. There's a lot of mixed opinions about Jermaine Johnson in the league. Like, I I thought that was a really good pick by the Jets. We're going to find out. Um, I haven't heard a lot about him in camp now that I think about it. I talked to him today for a couple minutes. How's he doing? Happening. He was having a good day. That's good. We kept it. We kept it just very professional. Nothing, you know. Just how's it going? You know, just just shooting the you know what. He can't share anything with the group here. No, 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 nothing. No, oh, okay. no. Well, that's a shame. But he had a good day today. Good day. You know, you watch all the rookies come off the practice field. It's like that. You know, the rookie. You know, the rookie hazing, if you will. They all got to carry the veterans' helmets and equipments. And now the helmets are even heavier because they all got those like padding shells on top of them or whatever. Well, so it's you got cool. To be it looks cool. You. Yeah, but the rookies got to carry them all, and uh, they're none too pleased. Let's talk about Jet Camp for a little bit. We heard from Robert Sala today. How has Zach Wilson looked in camp? It's been good. The game is slowing down, all those good things. Obviously, there's another level that's going to get reached, but really like the way he approaches every day. He's unflappable in terms of just not really losing confidence and getting down on himself after a bad play or a bad day. He, again, had a throw today and turned right around the mic. They had a discussion about it and kept it moving. So really like where his, head, where his head's at right now and really like where the entire offense is, especially in those move-the-ball periods. It seems like they're executing at a high level. Dan, you were out at Jet Camp today. You retweeted a, a, a pass from Zach Wilson, I think, to, to Elijah, um, Moore. Elijah Moore, which was which was unbelievable. Thread the needle in the red zone. I don't know if Mike saw it yet. We'll show it to him maybe during the break there. But, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the so-called, you know, off-platform throw, the arm talent, kind of that Mahomes-esque, almost Rodgers-esque, almost like a sidearm-ish type throw. Now, in a game, you know, you're playing with fire because all it takes is one person to get their hand out, the ball gets tipped up into the air, and it's a pick six in the or an interception in the red zone, and that kills your drive. You don't want that to happen, just like you don't want what's happening in Seattle right now to this Yankee bullpen, thanks to Jonathan, uh, or no, it's Abreu, right? Albert it's Abreu. Albert Abreu yeah. who's in right now. I can't see it. TV's too far away. Um, and he's just completely taking this Yankee lead and giving it right on back. So now Seattle has a 4-3 lead. Yeah, Cortez pulled after giving up an RBI single. Uh, Abreu comes in with a runner on first and one out in the seventh and gives up a two-run home run to Carlos Santana. Um, you know, at at first it was Yankees are no are getting are no hitting the Mariners and and really just need to score a run. They give up a run, they get three back, and they they give it right back. That's just kind of unfortunately what's been happening with this Yankee team right now. Carlos Santana, I think Lee is the all time home run leader for guitarists. How about that? Yeah, I think that's pretty. That's I confirmed, that's pretty by the way. Um, <laughs> you know what else has been happening, Dan? I don't know if you saw this at camp. Uh, apparently there was a lot, there's been a lot of fights within the last couple of days uh, at Jack Camp. Uh, Robert Sala was asked about that. Any concerns? No, I mean you guys all have siblings, I assume. Most of y'all, you know. Shoot, I was uh, I was actually in a little argument. I'm 43 years old, and you know, you, you just fight with your siblings. They're, it's a band of brothers, like I talked about. And this morning, I was in an argument with my brother. I'm 43 years old, and it took me back to when I was a junior in high school, and I suflexed him in the middle of the living room, right on his face. So that's right, I did that. I did that. But uh, yeah, there's no love. It's not like they don't love each other, but it gets competitive out there. It's hot. It's sticky. They've seen each other over and over again, and um, I think. This is a really close group and uh, a really cool locker room, so I don't, I don't get worried about it. 
He's so proud of that. Like Absolutely. the suplex. Like, think about it. He's he's achieved like the pinnacle of his profession. He's an NFL head coach. He grinded, he put in the hours, he became a head coach in the NFL in New York. But yet all these years later, the thing that gives him the most pride is a suplex of his brother back when they were kids at home. It's pretty funny. Uh, I enjoyed it. The fact that he even thought about it when he's talking about fights at camp, and I know he said that they're like a brotherhood and they're like brothers. Um, to still remember it from 10 years old that you suplexed your brother in the living room, clearly it, it meant a lot to him. So. Any at-home wrestling for you? Any stories? Nothing like that? No, I had an older sister. I was a pesky younger brother that was just a pain in the neck, but no, no suplexes in the Tannenbaum yeah. household growing up. Yeah, nothing like that. No fights in the Rafael Nadal uh, suite. No, it's the Roger Federer uh, suite right, 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 at the right. Rafael Nadal yes, Academy yes, in yes. Mallorca. Yes, correct. How, could, how did I get that? Wrong? Get your tennis legends I, right, you know, Anthony. No, Come on. that that I know. I know the difference between the two. That's for sure. But yes, of progress. course, the story. The story all got kind of messed up for me. That'll do it for ENN today. That's on good. ENN this Wednesday evening. Just want to remind everybody: boxing makes its return this Saturday to ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. Don't miss the main event featuring Brooklyn native. And former unified and lineal lightweight champion Teofimo Lopez, while well, he moves up and makes his junior welterweight debut against Mexican veteran Pedro Campa. It all starts at 10 p.m. live from Las Vegas on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Fantastic. Great job by Anthony Pusick. A little ENN action on this Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.